good morning. I hope you can see that uh, just what a wonderful week we've had of Vacation Bible School and these kids have been learning lots of different songs and crafts and been learning some stories about Jesus and who he is. Game on, the, being prepared for life's big game. If you're one of our guests, we're so glad that you are here with us this morning. Uh, maybe you're one of our home folks and we're glad to have you as well. Uh, if you will notice in your bulletin there's a little tear out and you can you can fill that out and and I I would tell you uh, you might be the first one to give give one to me this week and I would give you a big old handshake just just as firm as is just a good handshake if you give me one of those and fill it out and put your name and information on it or your prayer requests or whatever so we can know how to get in touch with you and know how to minister to you this week I'd love to get to know who you are um, but right now if you would please stand and greet one another and welcome each other to church this morning
what's that? Uh, you can even make shoes. And for parents, if you don't have a babysitter, there we go. Okay, I'm not endorsing duct tape. You can get your kids a wall. That kid was laying down on the floor. He's not hanging on the wall. All right. There's lots of things that duct tape can do. A lot of people use it for repairing stuff. Go ahead and be seated. Man, thank you from our music, uh, our our children, and, and our choir, uh, multilingual choir, uh, English, Spanish, and Hebrew, all in one song. That's fantastic. But this, I uh, just want to welcome you here this, this Father's Day. I have asked uh, Steve Holloway, if he would, to come and share just a little bit about our men's ministry and, and a little testimony. And so, uh, if you will, uh, give him your attention.
Thank you, Steve. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to the book of Acts. Turn to the book of Acts chapter 8. And as you get there, if you would please stand. I want to read the first uh, few verses there in the book of Acts 8, 1 through 3. Saul agreed with putting him to death. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. Lord, thank you for your scripture. I pray that you bless the reading of your word. Speak to us now, and may we listen. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can be seated. The persecuted church... Yeah, the church was persecuted even, even back then, even in, the, even in the first century. As we've gotten up to chapter 8 now, what we've seen is Jesus Christ has left. He's, he's, he's given the, the, the Holy Spirit to uh, the apostles. The apostles have shared the gospel with, with the folks in Jerusalem. And the church has really, it has literally exploded. There has already been persecution there because they, they've gone after some of the leaders. They put them in prison. But God still is working through the church. The Holy Spirit is still moving through the church. People are still coming to saving faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We saw last week, very specifically, a man named Stephen was drugged outside of the city and there was stoned because he was proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what happens, he says, on that very day, I'm going to assume that it was early in the morning. They drug him out. Persecution happened. In their mind, this is a success. We can stop this now. And it says there in chapter 8, on that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. There has been persecution against the church even early on. If you, if you read the beginning of the book of Revelation, John, as he writes this in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 9, he says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation. Now, I don't want to get into an end time study, eschatological study here, but I believe John thought there's some bad stuff happening to us Christian folks, okay? He says your fellow partaker in the tribulation but even, even early on the church was persecuted we see that Stephen was martyred some, somewhere maybe around 35 AD, something like that all of the apostles all the apostles um, were, were, were martyred or, or killed because of their faith, uh, they, they, well, I know that, that John was exiled, okay, he wasn't killed. They, they tried to kill him, they just couldn't. And uh, so they, they banished him to an, to an island. And so whether it's actual, we have real hard evidence or tradition, it says that the apostles died because of their faith. In 64, Nero launched his persecution. In 95, Domitian, he executes or, or exiles different family members because he claimed that, well, they're atheists because they only believe in one God. So they must be atheists. So he had those executed. In the year 110, Ignatius, he was a bishop of Antioch. He was martyred in Rome. Somewhere about, the, uh, about 50 years later, Polycarp is martyred. And then some, somewhere uh, almost uh, 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 around the same time, Justin is martyred. There's been persecution among the church from its very existence. 
one of the driving forces of the pilgrims coming to the new land was they were seeking religious freedom. The church has always been under persecution. It always has been, and it always will be. We've been promised that we will face persecution. But what about now? The church is still persecuted now. But listen, I want you to think outside of the United States, okay? I know, I know that it's becoming less popular to be a follower of Christ. It's becoming less popular to claim that you're a Christian or that you go to church. There was a time in which it was just the normal thing was to be at church on, on, on Sunday and maybe even Wednesday night. That's not what I'm talking about, though. I'm talking about that the church is so much larger than the United States. I have a I have a map up here from uh, from an organization called Open Doors, and they've they 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 study this kind of thing every year. This is from 2018. I know it's hard to see uh, the the details of that map, but it, you can see the colors against the gray background, and you can see where the church is persecuted. Uh, here, just the top ten list: uh, Iran, Yemen, Iraq, Libya. Eritrea, Pakistan, Sudan, Somalia, Afghanistan, and finally, the number one uh, country where Christians face the most severe persecution, again, according to this organization, is North Korea. It's been the, it's been the number one for about 15 years. The, the church has faced the most severe persecution there. Uh, everything from churches being torn down to people just being killed or tortured or run out of the country. Um, Eight of those ten that I just mentioned, the primary religion there is Islam. The church can grow under persecution. Okay? China is not in the top ten. It, is in the, it, it barely makes the top 50. But over the last century, there was severe persecution in China. It's where the church was growing faster than anywhere else in the globe. The church can grow under persecution it can even thrive under persecution but it doesn't mean that we seek out persecution we don't seek to become martyrs we just continue to live our faith in front of other people and then see what happens what can the church do what is the church to do well if we keep reading there in the book of Acts chapter 8 you look at verse 4 and it says so those who were scattered well they stopped praying publicly, and they no longer proclaimed the gospel in the public square, and then they shut the doors of the church. No, that is not what they did. They didn't do that at all. My Bible says those who were scattered went on their way preaching the message of good news. They kept telling the good news. They were scattered, but they just kept telling the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, Alex, I have a, this just came to me earlier, and I have, a, I have a task for you. Is there any way at all that we could put the chorus up to this is amazing grace? Because if they, were, if they just continued to preach the good news, it bears an understanding what is the gospel, what is the good news? What, just, what is it that we're supposed to be saying? This is amazing grace, this is unfailing love. Look, that you would take my place that you would bear my cross. What's the next line? You laid down your life that I would be set free. That's a great summary of the gospel. If 
you're ever in a situation and you're trying to think what the gospel is, you remember that song, it's in a catchy little tune. Sing it to yourself. Sing it out loud. There's the gospel. I deserve to be on the cross, but he took my place. And now, because he gave his life, I can be set free. Set free from the burden of sin, from death and hell. And I get to, I get to have eternal life. Perhaps you prefer, perhaps you would prefer some scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, a great summary statement of the gospel. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. For I passed on to you as important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the essence. We can explain more, but you hold on to that. Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect life. He was crucified, buried, but he came back to life. And if I place my faith and trust in him, I too may have eternal life. Jesus in my place. Here, I have asked this, the, the youth this a number of times over the last few years. Just a hypothetical situation. I don't know that this would ever happen. But suppose it would. Suppose you're in school and somebody comes up and they say, I know you go to church. I know you're a Christian. How can I become a Christian? If somebody asked you that, if they did, how would you respond? What would be your response? Would you say, hold on a minute, let me get my deacon on the phone? Or, I tell you what, if you can come to church this Sunday, I'll introduce you to the pastor and he can talk to you. If that's your answer, it's insufficient. You need to know how to tell people what the gospel is and how to become a Christian. There's only really one, I mean, this is it. We have to get this right, church. We have to know how to tell people what it means to be a Christian, how they too can repent from their sin, trust Jesus Christ with their life, and gain eternal life, the hope and joy that comes from knowing Jesus. We've got to get this right. One other method, perhaps. Do you know John 3.16? Walk through that with someone. That's great. Well, that's, that, that's a great way to share the gospel. God so loved the world. Yeah, that means he loves you. That he gave his only son. Why did he have to give his only son? Well, he had to be crucified. He himself came down in the form of Jesus Christ, the form of a man was crucified. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That if you would believe in him, whosoever believes in him, that, that includes you and me, will have eternal life. We don't have to perish. What do you mean we don't have to perish? Well, because of your sin, you're destined to hell and, and, to, and to perish, but you don't have to. Because Jesus was sent down by God the Father. You can use that to share the gospel. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Look at verse 5. Philip went down to a city. I, I, hold on. I love this. I think of some of the great storytellers and, that, that, that I've heard, and some of them are just good old country boys like Andy Griffith and Justin Wilson, and, and I like to hear them tell stories. I don't always like their language, but they, but they tell good stories. I, I feel like this is verse 4. So, so many went out, they were scattered, and they were proclaiming the good news. And it's almost like in verse 5 it says, by the way, remember that old boy Philip that we talked about? And he was one of the deacons. Well, let me tell you what Philip did. Philip, he went down to a city in Samaria, proclaimed the Messiah to them. And the crowds paid attention with one mind of what Philip said as they heard and saw the signs he was performing. Unclean spirits 
crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So see, he, he as well was accompanied by the power and the grace that comes through the Holy Spirit. As he proclaimed the gospel, and the Spirit moved through him, and miracles were performed, but he just went, and he did as the Spirit led him to do. And I, I have to think about it some. He, he went to Samaria, and I just wonder, I mean, I have no reason to, to, to think that this is the case, but I just, I just wonder sometimes, was this the same city where the woman at the well, and she had gone back and proclaimed who Jesus was, and, and now here's Philip coming, and, and, and kind of, I, I don't know, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But one thing for sure, remember that verse of Scripture we started off with many weeks ago, Acts 1-8? Remember this one? Acts 1-8, after that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and they were, Judea, Samaria. Here's Philip. Where is he proclaiming the gospel? Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We see it being fulfilled yet again. It will continue to be fulfilled throughout the book of Acts. Around Christmas time, I, I, I got a, a book that I was excited about reading. Uh, it, it probably, 1.2% of the people in this room may be excited about it. But the title was Anti-Fragile. The title is Anti-Fragile. And uh, it, it's a book, it kind of, it's more of an academic book. It's definitely not just something you lay up on the beach and read or anything like that. It's just, it's just kind of an academic exercise. But the, the author talks about how there are certain things in our world that crumble and, and fall when stress comes on them or, or there's an attack. And, and we call those things fragile or fragile if you're Italian. There, we call those things fragile. Now, there's other things that can take some damage and, and they, they remain the same, and we might call those robust or something like that. We said, what about something that takes damage and actually gets better? said, so we don't really have a word for that. So let me just use the author's words here. He says, some things benefit from shocks. They thrive and grow when exposed to volatility, randomness, disorder, and stressors. And love, adventure, risk, and uncertainty. Yet in spite of the ubiquity of the phenomenon, there is no word for the exact opposite of fragile. Let us call it then anti-fragile. Anti-fragility is beyond resilience or robustness. The resilient resists shocks and stays the same. The anti-fragile gets better. And so this, this work, it's, it's, not a, it's not a Christian author. It's not a Christian living book or anything like that. It's just, it's just a concept. He said you can apply it to almost anything. You know, a diversified portfolio is better than having all of your, all of your eggs in one basket, which, by the way, would be fragile. Um, <clears throat> but as an example, take the human body. The human body gains from having stress put upon it. There is a breaking point, sure, but as, as, as athletes or, or want to get stronger, you tear down the muscles and they build back up. That's just kind of the way the body works. This is, what, this is that concept of anti-fragility. And by the way, it, it being Father's Day, I would, I would, would want to mention, I, I think this is part of our job as, as fathers is to build into our children the ability to, to take the things that life throws at you and come back a little bit stronger, whether that's physical, 
mental, spiritual, emotional, but to, but to help build them up so that, so that they, they become stronger individuals in all those areas of their life. I remember the very first time, it was a proud dad moment, I saw my boys wrestling in the living room, and Lindsay walked through wanting to stop them. I said, don't you do it. No, this is great. They're, they're, they're just wrestling. I said, I'm not going to let them throw a low punch or anything, but it, it's, it's, it's a fun time for me to see them kind of struggling with each other and, and, and having a good time wrestling and getting stronger. The reason I share this concept with you is because I believe the church is anti-fragile. When, per, when pressures come upon us, we get stronger. We have for 2,000 years. The church gets stronger. It doesn't weaken. When the church is persecuted, it is often purified, like gold in a refiner's fire. But listen very carefully. It's not because of the people of the church. Because we're only following the leader of the church. It's not the body, but it's the head. It's the head of the church. Listen, Jesus Christ, he was struck down and humiliated. Yet today, he's exalted. He wore a borrowed robe and a crown of thorns. Yet today, he reigns supremely. He was crucified and buried. Yet today, he lives. He was rejected and abandoned. Yet one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The church... The church will always survive, even under severe persecution, because he is making every enemy his footstool. When Jesus Christ looked at Peter, he looked him in the eye and he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He says, I will build my church on this, and the very gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church faces persecution, but the church does not end. Verse 8. There was great joy in that city. What if you just took the two bookends? One day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And then you skip to verse 8. So there was great joy in that city. Wouldn't that be odd? That seems odd. But we understand the power of Jesus Christ. Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes says this, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you, uh, excuse blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Revelation 12 says this, verse 7. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels also fought, but he could not prevail. And there was no place for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was thrown out, the ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the one who deceives the whole world. He was thrown to earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah have now come because the accuser of our brothers has been thrown out. 
the one who accuses them before our God day and night. Listen. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they did not love their lives in the face of death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. Under persecution, the church will continue because Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He's established the church, and he says, not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. There is hope. There is hope for the persecuted church. But what are we to do? Because I told you when we started, take a break from the United States for a minute. Think about the church in other parts of the world where I wouldn't be able to stand up here very freely and, and, and share this message with you. First of all, we pray for the persecuted church. We pray for them. We pray they have strength. They have faithfulness. They endure. Blessed are those who are persecuted. I dare say we pray blessings upon them. They would have the strength to stand. And number two, what we do, what the church has always done, we go on our way preaching the message of the gospel. And this may sound like a pat given answer. It may sound a little cliche to say, pray for them, and you keep proclaiming the gospel? Well, maybe it is, but my question to you, are you doing it? Are you praying for the persecuted church? Are you sharing the gospel? You know, you don't have to wait until our, we don't have to wait until our rights are stripped away before we decide that we want to share the gospel. We don't have to wait until the Bible is banned and to to begin carrying it down the streets. We don't have to wait until that time to to proclaim Jesus. And listen, at the same time, I understand many of you work in places where it's difficult, if not illegal, to share the gospel, depending on who you're talking to. And I'm not telling you this week you ought to go out and intentionally lose your job. But be wise. Use wisdom. I was in a school setting about 10 years ago. This, the, uh, there was a local church that had brought in a, a speaker for several years. And the speaker often talked about how he overcame some difficulties with drugs, alcohol, and that kind of thing. And he shared a positive message. And then at the end, at the conclusion, he would invite them to a church and say, I would love to tell you more, I just can't today. And it was great. The way he did that was phenomenal. But then one year, he was inside a public school in a gymnasium and shared the gospel. And guess what? They weren't invited back anymore. And it made it that much more difficult for folks to get in. And You have to be wise about what you're doing. But I'd say this too. Anybody who thinks that prayer is not in our schools just probably had not walked the hallways in a while. I've been in schools and and been a part of prayers and I've, I've been in schools and, and heard the gospel I've proclaimed the gospel there's just ways that you have to go about it but continue to pray for our, our children our teachers everyone involved in our school system pray for pray for the persecuted church outside the walls of the United States pray, pray for boldness of the church here in the United States but I would ask you this too 
Resolve in your heart today that this week, somehow, some way, you're going to tell somebody about Jesus. Maybe somebody's come to your mind this morning. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's maybe it's somebody that 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 you see when you go to the grocery store. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a family member. Somebody needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And a little bit of a spoiler as we continue in the book of Acts. A little a little teaser trailer. In the face of persecution and the apostles and those early church folks, they continued to share the gospel. The church did grow. And persecutors, persecutors even got saved and became some of the greatest loudspeakers for the church. Let's pray. Lord, I don't think anybody welcomes persecution. They don't look at it and, and, and say, I wish this would happen to me. I wish I would be persecuted. But Lord, we have 2,000 years of history that says that even in the face of persecution, you give grace, you give strength. We saw Stephen, as, as he was being stoned, that Jesus Christ even stood up and, and welcomed him into the heavens. And, and Father, the church can grow, but not because of just the, the people, but... But, Father, Satan will be defeated ultimately one day by the blood of the Lamb that is Jesus Christ and the word of the testimony of his church. So, Father, may we proclaim that message. May we proclaim the blood of Jesus Christ anywhere and everywhere we go. Give us wisdom as we walk this, this, this earth. But, God, give us grace and mercy and strength that others may come to know Jesus Christ and join us in this fellowship. Join us in this joy and hope that only he gives. You speak now. May we listen and respond. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'd ask that you would stand. We're going to sing now. If God is, is, if God is leading you in some way, respond. Uh, you, the altar is open. Maybe it's a decision you make right there in your chair. Or I'll be up here and would love to pray with you if you so desire. But as God speaks, you listen. Welcome. I'm glad that you are here today um, and glad you got to worship Jesus Christ with us this morning. Uh, I would ask you to double check your, your bulletins. We don't have services here tonight, but we do have things going on this week. In your prayers this week, remember our children who are going off to Center Kid. They leave in the morning, and so we want them to experience uh, a great week of camp so they get to know the Lord a little better. Maybe maybe for the first time ever. Uh, we'd love to hear that. Uh, pray for our, our leaders who are, who are taking them, that um, 
that they would have grace and mercy and, and all those uh, wonderful attributes of fruit of the Spirit as well. Uh, but pray for safe travels for them. Um, and we will see you again Wednesday night. Um, where is our... There, Chris, if you will come and pray for us, please. Thank you. Safely wins and I also support your will in Jesus.